I just, you know, I just don't want us to miss any of our magic. Oh, see, I recorded just that. You see? That, w- that was the magic. So much magic. <laughs> Let's, can we pivot? No. This conversa- we, her- Let's unpack this conversation to pivot and be fluid in this new normal. Yes. Yes. We'll, uh, I think today will be a day of cliches and platitudes. Um, of, 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 uh, of trending words. What else? I mean, why should this be any different than our last four? <laughs> um, hey, guys. Episode fünf. Yeah. Sehr toll. Yeah, klar. Yeah, sehr toll. Um, sorry, so, so, sorry to any Germans who might be listening. Doubtful, but in case there are any. I, 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 we'd be, you'd be shocked. I mean, that Vanessa Menkes episode three, just still climbing. I know. It's, it's the wow. zenith. Wow. It's like, it's when Adele came on the scene and just like broke every chart. You know what I really like? I like that we're able to now kind of refer back to back episodes because we have like a whole oeuvre, if you will. Yes, absolutely. Like remember that time in episode one when dot, dot, dot? I mean, we have, this is going to be our fifth episode. That is like like a straight up season, like a full season. This is an EP. You know what I'm saying? Like you could, it's like a five track EP like a really small Hulu season. Like we're legit. It's super legit. It's like a Phoebe Waller Bridges uh, series. There's only five episodes or six. But very long drawn episodes, which would- Yeah, a lot to unpack. Yes, as we pivot multiple times during the 90 minutes. Yeah. so yeah, man, how's life? Uh, life's pretty good. I'm, uh, uh, let's see, I've been holed up all week. I haven't really done very much. Time just flies, man. It's, it's just, you know, temporally, I'm like frightened at how quickly it goes. Isn't it crazy that we're going to be in June next week? It's absolutely madness. We're Mental. halfway done. It's halfway done. Like we're in six months of 2020. Done. Yeah, just like that. What, what just happened? Like, I felt like we, it was January, and then it was June. But it also feels like, I don't know, it's, it's, there's a duality to it. It's gone quickly, but it's also felt like an era, an epoch. Yes. What is that? Is that, a, is that episode two of the analogy of the umami effect? <laughs> I was just reading a thesaurus before we got on, so that's why I got all these words that I have to use. Uh, well, yes, we, uh, that, was, that was our episode one. That was a, a long time ago. God, that was five weeks ago. This was episode five. Anyways. We have been consistent, though. Yes. Even now that I'm like, you know, aborted the quarantine, I'm, I've been, you know, integrated into normal society. So what does it feel like? Oh my God, it's so weird. Like a lot of people wearing masks, 
like today I went to go pick up my lunch and the lady was like, here you go. Thanks so much. And I like smiled at her, but then I realized she could not see me smile. So she probably was like this fucking bitch. Didn't even say any, you know, and I was just like walked away thinking like, oh my God, I should have just done like, thank you. But I personally was like smiling the whole time. Like, but then she, you know, she obviously did not see my uh, invisible. It's kind invisible. of comforting. It's the, that anecdote was very comforting because it makes me realize that we can revert to the pettiness of the prior world very quickly. <laughs> um, yes, everyone's mad petty. That shit. No, uh, the, um, are we expecting a paradigm shift of... Uh, of peace and serenity and uh, a sense of humanity. I don't know. I think just Shake Shack employees giving you your burger. And if you didn't say thank you, you're a bitch. So moving on. Well, I think, I think we're all going to be like Morgan Freeman, uh, like, you know, in, uh, uh, in uh, what's that, you know, the prison movie, Shawshank Redemption. Oh, Shawshank. Yeah, yeah, we're all gonna we're all gonna like re-enter society, not knowing what to do. Like yeah. we all want to find that beach, like Ziwataneho, but instead we're just gonna be at fucking Publix and someone giving us attitude for being too close to them. <laughs> um, yes, <laughs> um, totally. People need to people need to obey the six feet. Y'all are way too close, man. I'm serious. Like people, they don't read signs. There's signs everywhere. No one's reading them, sadly. But you got, you got, you've got like witches' powers. You know, like you're, you got superpowers. Yeah, but I wish I had like some, you know, indicator, like a T-shirt. You know, like or like a bumper sticker, like you know, like hey, my kid's an A student at whatever. It's like hey, I have the antibody. No. You want an immunity card? Do you, do, you, do you think that's a good idea for society? Absolutely. Mainly because I can get it. Yeah, right? Um, Way to be objective, ob- objective about the issue. Fuck, man. Can you imagine? It's like the ultimate uh, global uh, entry. <laughs> oh, yeah. You just like flash that baby. I'm like, get me on the plane. You're Dude, the parties welcome. you could get into. Can you imagine just oh, those parties? Oh, God any country I could just walk in and just flash my immunity passport. They're just like, please come to my country. Jeez, it sounds like a bad Ethan Hawke movie. A lot of Ethan Hawke movies are bad though. Let's, let's yeah. not even go there. No, I, I was pondering whether we should talk about that, but then I realized we shouldn't. About Ethan Hawke? Yeah. Oh, great segue. <laughs> oh, sh- Oh shit! Yeah. Oh shit! Oh shit! Yeah, that, no, 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 no. Hey. Oh my! Wow, Jason. Oh. <laughs> what the fuck? What? What? I know this is audio, but where the fuck are you? Are you in a closet? No, 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 no. I'm over at Keisha's house. I'm just over at Keisha's house. Oh, oh okay. You look like you are in a closet. This is, this is a closet behind me, but yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. But like hiding, like you're hiding. Oh, no, 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 it's just, it's just a bit dark. Hold on, I can turn on a light. 
No, it's okay. We, we like, are gonna, oh, that, that's actually, that's actually even more intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> it like half, it half lights up your face. Well, yeah. you know, it's a little it, Blair, Blair Witch project going on there. I'm into the aesthetic. I mean, if today's conversation gets dark, which I expect it will, you know, it's kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jason was like, "What's the topic?" And I'm like, "You know, the apocalypse, the usual." And go. Yeah. And I'm good. go. I'm good at talking about the apocalypse. I mean, it's all I think about. So. Yeah, that's why. That's why you're on our fake podcast. <laughs> Have y'all decided to call it that yet? Because that's the title <laughs> I'm in favor of. Um, I, you know, I think inertia is head, inertia is heading there for sure. Okay. Well, it has my vote. Yeah. I, either that or, um, the podcast that has no name. That's pretty good too. But I still, or, fake, fake podcast still gets my vote though, I will say. Fake podcast with our fake guest. <laughs> with our yeah. fake host. <laughs> the hosts are fake. The guests is real. Yeah, the hosts are fake. Wait, do you guys know each other? No, I was trying to figure that out. I don't think so. But I don't think we you. met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a real, it's a real pleasure. A real pleasure, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you guys are under these circumstances, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm looking forward to it because because Esther told me you could bring the the darkness. The uh... <laughs> so darkness. I'm very excited. Darkness. <laughs> um, well, no, I mean, Jason, a quick bio, since I am the fake host, and this is our fake guest. Jason, I've known Jason for so long that I honestly don't know how to introduce him. Besides the fact that when I met him, he had long ass dreadlocks down to his ass. And we all thought he was a illegitimate son of Bob Marley. So we're like, oh, another Marley, you know, child just like doing reggae music on the side some of my friends back home in barbados used to joke that my nickname was corned beef marley (laughs) so and then um yeah so he was that and then all of a sudden he's like winning awards for filmmaking and um like you know berlin film festival sundance like tiff like now he's like the quintessential like you know, think tank guy for the Caribbean filmmaking industry. And I'm just like, how the hell did the freaking corned beef or cornbread or whatever you want to call it, Marley, go from that to being now like, I don't know, winning an Oscar in the next two years? Jason, oh, go. That, that's, that's, you're putting your money on that? All right. I'll, I'll take yeah. that action. I, I, you know, I already did. All right. Okay. So, so wait, Jason, you're you're a um, you're a filmmaker. You're a journalist. What? Um, He's a singer. You sure, you're a singer too. On occasion, I mean, it's mostly karaoke these days, but you know, that's all there is anyway. Yeah. I'm a restless yeah, man. I, I guess I'm just a restless man. Let, let's I, delve into that. Okay. Um, where should I begin? Um, tell, tell us about the restlessness. Wow. Let's um, go there. Yeah. That, wow. This, wow. We're going deep fast. Um, you gave me an opening, so. That's a yeah, take. I actually don't know where that comes from. That is something worth investigating. I don't know. I, um, I think, well, 
I think because there's so many different things that kind of um, that I just naturally draw inspiration from in terms of I'm from so many places. My dad was from Montserrat. Uh, he passed away a long time ago, but he was from Montserrat, a very small island in the Caribbean. Um, Two thirds of it is now buried under volcanic ash. My mother's from Barbados. Her grandparents are from, well, her dad is from Antigua. His parents were from Madeira off the coast of Portugal. I was born in Canada, um, grew up in Barbados. And so all of which is to say the things that I just know and draw from in my family lineage, the things that inspire me are just so vast and varied and um, and I think that's just kind of given me things to kind of keep chasing, you know, things to kind of keep tracking down in myself to figure out where, where I'm really from, which is everywhere and nowhere at once. Um, and I think those things you can spend a lifetime decoding. Um, so I feel very, very lucky to be born when I was born and to be born of who I was born of because they provided me with a fascinating story to, you know, spend all of my years unraveling. Um, so yeah, I'm really grateful. I find that interesting. And I think, you know, for, for those of us who've grown up in different countries or have different, uh, you know, um, lineages, um, you know, at least for me, I find myself always chasing further fragmentation um, in, t in terms of identity and experiences, which is sort of ironic, right? And I, I almost feel like I'm ch chasing unity through further fragmentation of self right. and experiences. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it feels like a project, like an ongoing project, you know? There's um, the cartography of ourselves. Like, where does this map all lead to, you know? Um, there's the map of the physical world, but then there's the map of the of the bloodlines on top of it, of the emotions that come with that. There are all these different maps that are stacked on top of each other to form the reality that goes beyond what we see and deal with every day. Um, so that's 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 kind of what I'm committed to, and so I find the arts as being you know one of the best ways to to, to travel those roads and to find those roads, you know. Um, yeah. Do you ever feel complete though? Like, has there been moments where you're just like, oh, I know exactly why I'm here, who I am, why I'm doing this, or is it just a constant like second guessing or you know, like you said, this restlessness of like, you know, this like, I guess, ugh, ebb and flow? This, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think there are definitely times where I think I used to have a lot more angst about it. I think about being restless. About yeah, about being restless, about having so much that I didn't, you know, I lost my dad when I was really young. Um and I think I used to have a lot of angst about all the things I didn't know about myself. Then also coming from the Caribbean, which just as a region has a very complicated history, you know. Um I view the Caribbean as the crossroads of the world in that every major culture from the Eastern part of the world has traveled through the, the, the Caribbean to create the Western part of the world. And it's a part of the story that gets left out a lot. Um, 
but when you think about things, everything from like say like the Black Power movement in the in the sixties and seventies, like a lot of the thinkers of that of a lot of the thought that became popular in that movement, like originated years earlier in Martinique and 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 Haiti, or even you know hip hop or a lot of you know electronic music, like a lot of those techniques were invented in Jamaica, um, in the creation of dub and dance hall. Um, and so I guess, I, I guess in thinking about myself and thinking about all these different things that made me up, I started thinking about, well, me, what if there's like a different world history than the one that we've all been, been kind of taught? Um, and I think as I got older, I started making more peace with the uncertainty of everything and then just kind of living in wonder at it all, you know, like, wow, there's just so much more to learn. Um, the fact that I'm here and breathing is, is enough to anchor in, I guess you could say, you know, rather than feeling incompleteness, um, but still marveling at everything there is left to discover and thinking about, well, look at all these connections that can be made. And so then I just started looking. It's funny because I, I feel as if, that sense of incompleteness made me leave home, leave Barbados, um, to go into the bigger world, the wider world, to try to complete myself. And then the further I got out, the more I realized that the answers I was looking for were back there, at least in terms of being a, you know, a point from which to a good vantage point, you know, a very small place in the middle of the world that gave me a perspective to appreciate everything all at once. Um, so now I just kind of live in the wonder of it all. Like I don't, like anybody else, you know, I'm human. I have moments of worry and frustration and wanting more or sometimes wanting less. But I think there's a lot more peace I feel these days. I just kind of, wonder is, a, is one of my favorite words, like both meanings of, you know, of it, you know, to wonder, to question, but then also to wonder, to, to, like, to be in wonder, to be in awe of things. And I think those two meanings are two sides of the same coin. Um, and I think one of the ways that we truly find peace in life is when we can combine those two meanings to be one. Um, and it's funny because I think it's something that's really important in this current moment that we're in because there's so many answers that we do not have. And certainty about what comes next about the world what the world looks like after this what it's transforming into it's going to take a while to figure that out and i think that what's needed right now is to live in wonder to live to find a way to see possibilities in such a dark and troubling moment so that we can plot the world that grows out of it um so that's what i'm wondering about right now those that's where my questions lie and that's where my awe lays as well too. You, you said something interesting I just want to ask you about. You said before that um, this notion of wanting more, but sometimes wanting less. Can you elaborate yeah. on what the wanting less is? Um, I, one of the things I've had to, that I've been thinking about a lot is, or one of the things that I'm thinking that, that feels like it's been revealed through all of this is just, how much we consume and how much that consumption um, is uneven and how much, of, you know, there's something that Esther and I talk, have talked about uh, before is, um, or something that you've mentioned Esther a bunch of times is, you know, 
what percentage of the world doesn't have air conditioning, for example. You know, like it's 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 something that we here in America like to take so for granted, but there's so many parts of the world where that's just the biggest luxury. Um, and I think that one of the keys to the future is figuring out figuring out like a better distribution of resources so that they're not these glaring inequalities. Um, but I actually think that there is a certain peace to be found in living with less. Like I, I, the older I get, the less I want, the less things I want. There's certain key things that I want, but I think there's a, I, I've been thinking more laterally instead of, you know, instead of um, more horizontally, instead of, you know, hierarchically, like, like climbing the ladder and thinking more about if we just let go of so many of the things that we hold on to, what does that create space for in our lives? And, and, and can we find more peace that way? And then if we are to do that, is there then more to go around so that there's a big, more bigger percentage of all of us living in this, in this piece? I mean, I'm speaking as someone who years ago, um, picked up and went to Thailand for six months to, to, to try to learn how to farm. It wasn't very successful, but um, I was like building mud huts and stuff like that, you know, like preparing for the end of the world. But it, it was born of that same question, like I just being very dissatisfied with progress or what passes as progress and not feeling like it really was working. Um, yeah. But isn't, isn't that kind of what you're saying? Is that the feeling of being fulfilled by having less, that like less is more, you know, isn't that the ultimate kind of Zen moment of Nirvana where you're just so at peace with having absolutely less than what, you know, the kind of the rat race is like capitalist, like modern society has forced you when you're saying climbing the ladder, like what, what fucking ladder? Where's that ladder yeah. going to? You know what I mean? I mean? Like, I have to tell you, like in the last year or so, I mean, it's something, one of the things I've been wrestling with recently is a degree of guilt I've been feeling about my, uh, how I've been doing during this crisis because I have the good fortune of still being employed. Um, you know, with you, Esther, like, like I'm, I'm still, I still have a paycheck. I have a roof over my head. I have food in the fridge. Um, and changing my daily schedule has been really beneficial to me in terms of just being able to rest differently. It was up until this happened, I was traveling almost every other weekend, you know, going to festivals, winning awards. And it's great. Don't get me wrong. But I, the truth is, is I was so goddamn tired. <laughs> I was so tired. I, I can attest to this, by the way. Like so fucking tired. Am I allowed to curse on this? Can I curse on this? Yeah. I'll do whatever you want. I was so fucking tired. And the thing is, it didn't feel like something that you could really be honest about with people because they're like, oh, well, you're winning awards. You're like, you're like, right. your name is in the press. Like all of these things are happening to you. And, and I was beginning to think, well, what else lies down this road? Because if it keeps going at this pace, I'm not going to be able to maintain this. So I need to make some adjustments. Um, 
and I frequently talk to people in my industry who feel the same way. Um, I mean, I've been in the media in, in some form of media of art or arts for a while now, and it's surprising to me how many people live with that duality, you know, mm. of like chasing these wins, um, but feeling really drained. Uh, and so I think we're in a moment where we can start to redefine what success actually is. Not to say that we don't excel in our crafts, because I certainly never want to sacrifice that. But yeah, I just think a, a few things need to be evened out and, and, and hopefully that happens, can come out of this. So I've been thinking about that a lot and, you know, not say I have any answers just yet. But. Right. It's like, how do you translate that from, a, you know, as a personal realization or a personal goal? into the structures of, you know, how we live, whether they be political, economic, so that there's far reaching consequence to that shift of consciousness. That's, yeah. that's the harder one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think... yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go for it. Go for it. Cause no. I have nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> no. It was funny. Cause I, I recently, I got a phone call from a, a, a friend who's an artist and, they, you know, they just wanted to catch up and, um, and then they were like, you know, kind of like, so how's it going? I'm like, oh, it's good. It's good. You know? And then, yeah, you know, I'm kind of feeling like really down, you know, he, you know, this person was saying how the beginning of, he was like, yo, 2020 was going to be my year. You know, that was what he, his exact words. He was like, I had all these grants lined up. I had all these projects lined up. I had everything. And he would just like, his kind of um, <clears throat> expectation that was laid out in 2020 was gonna, this was his tipping point of, right. of him being an artist, you know? And, um, and he was just kind of like, he was grappling with it. Cause now, you know, we're like day 66 in quarantine and you know, people are starting to reopen and he's kind of like, well, what, what do I do? Like, what do I, am I, am I going to have to hustle again? Like what there's like, he's so, he was so funny and he was like kind of venting and I was like, yeah, man, like just, you know, he's, I, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. And his direct words were, man, I was, I was hoping for like a tiger mom, Esther, like you go get them, you go out there and hustle, bro. Like you go attack, you know? And I was like, I don't know, no, uh, do what, like, why? Like, you know, for me, I was kind of like, I mean, I was telling somebody, the older I get, the more Zen I become, because it's like, it's like, what, what is it about this fucking rat race? Like, what is it? Is it, it I mean, it's all about ego, right? At the end of the day, it's about ego. Yeah. Like, um, uh, you know, artists are like, well, I want to win a Grammy because I want to like have really important things to say. It's like, bitch, you just want a Grammy because you want to get fame and, you know, and that's okay. All of these worldly pleasures are okay. But, um, but yeah, I just was like, I just told, I just told him, I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, man. All I can tell you is, you know, like patience is life's secret ingredient. Like sometimes you could hustle and work your ass off and, you know, and save money, but that could just disappear. And you, what do you, but you still need to feel some sort of fulfillment and all that, you know, the process, the journey, but you can't rush it. You can't rush anything, you know? So 
I mean, I feel, I feel for people. I feel for a lot of folks that felt like 2020 was going to be their year. I really do. Cause it it was, you know, I mean. Well, isn't it though? I feel like this has been our year. It's just, we open our eyes and take a look at it a little bit differently. Right. Yeah. 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 True. Yeah. I think, I think that really could be the case. Um, You know, there's a, your old Jamaican saying, um, uh, what is it? Um, you know, I'll back me. To that. It's, it's <laughs> me right now. Um, oh, what is for you cannot be unfor you. Mm. You know, can you repeat that? What is for you? What, what was that again, Jess? Oh yeah. yeah, what is for you cannot be unfor you. Yeah. You know, like what is yours is yours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the more you dwell in the piece of that, the closer, the, 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 the quicker it comes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, that, that's the impatience you're talking about. Like if you just chill, it might be right there, you know? Well, yeah, it's this act of surrender, right? Yeah. You, just, yeah. you know, you're constantly forcing it, forcing it, forcing it, forcing it. And then you're just like, I give up, man, this is, this is not working out. And at that point, all of a sudden it's just like, bah! you know? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I, I think about two or two things or two concepts that go in, in, in the whole hands for me are surrender and service, because while you're impatient, there's a lot you could be doing for other people. Sure. If you got time to kill, there's somebody who could just use five minutes of your time and you could change their world. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, also those moments are personal gestures though. You know what I mean? Like you need to be in a place to be giving. Right. And they need to be in a place to receive the gift. Right. Because, um, yeah, I mean that, that's the other piece of it too, is like you, the more I've become this kind of, not to say I'm this like Buddhist, but like the more I've had this very like inner peace about everything, I have gotten a lot of requests for catch-ups and phone calls and hey, you know, and and them trying to like, you know, figure out like what's their next steps. And they're expecting a very like, well, this is what you do. You call this person, you set up a meeting, you know, and I'm just like, I don't know what to tell you, man. And they're looking at it like, not the initial reaction, but then afterwards, they're just kind of like, you know, thank you for letting me know that I really don't have to have the answer right now. And it's like, yeah, yeah you really, because you don't have to. You don't have to do anything. At the end of the day, you don't have to do anything. Fuck it. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm curious, what, did, what, was the, um, what was the original impulse? to create this podcast. I love that you're doing it. You know, I think, I think primarily it was just that Esther and I would get together once in a while to kind of, you know, know, catch up, talk shit, chop it up, philosophize. And we would just have these really interesting, very candid, earnest conversations that spanned a lot of different topics, you know, from the mundane and silly to the, kind of the profound death. Uh, we always talk about sacred death. yeah that that that's that's yeah. actually the third host 
of this uh, podcast. <laughs> oh man! So I think we're like you know it'd be cool to do it, and um, I don't know, just to, you know invite other people into this weirdness and see where it goes. Yeah. Also, it, we really did say um, it was the 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 global pandemic that triggered it because we're all like, fuck it, why not? I think that's the other piece of this, you know, this whole kind of like crisis is like, who cares, right? Like all of these, like, um, like, you know, you kind of have to like second guess, like we have to plan it and we need the right equipment and we need it in it. And you're just like, fuck it, let's go, let's do this. Like, what are we doing? Nothing. And then it's like, okay, well, do we have to edit it? Do we have to like censor ourselves? Do we? I'm like, fuck it. We don't care what what you yeah. know i think that freedom of i guess death <laughs> you're like you know like you know, the pushing down on you has been very liberating for me because i think again like when we're in this constant rat race and we're in this like ego checking and it's always like well i don't know i sound really like i sound like a valley girl what the fuck i say like a lot and then the more you think about it you're just like who fucking cares yeah, I think I think this moment is the collective fuck it of no return. <laughs> I love it. That's love it. Yeah. Yeah. Nailed it. It's a it's a good place to be, even though even when it's not, you know, even when it doesn't feel like it. Because a lot of everything's just kind of being brought to the light, I think. Yeah. Everything's being brought to light and we have to deal with things as they are, the good, the bad ugly all of it and that's the only way things improve is if you're just able to look at things just as they are and, and go from there but we deal, live up until this point we've lived so long just kind of as you said second guessing ourselves questioning ourselves pretending certain things are not there and um no it's like fuck it yeah we got to deal with all of it so let's just get on with it yeah i was listening to another zoom and you know again it's like these it was like an artist centric led um, conversation and this one young artist again same thing you know 2020 was my year da, 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 da. i had all these shows lined up um and then like what you know she's like she feels paralyzed and and in her own words she's like i don't want to do work that's not going to see the light of day that was her like thinking and um it was actually jill soloway was the artist that um was hosting the panel and Jill was like fuck it who gives a fuck she was like create this is the moment where you want to create work that doesn't see the light of day yeah you know what I mean like she's like this is possibly where there is zero expectation no one's like put you know putting like have any like sense of like requirements or anything she's like you need to create for the sake of creating and just see what happens because of that and um, that really hit me in a, in, a, in a moment where I was just like, wow. Like, like, we were all joking, like two people listen to it and we're like, well, fuck it. Let's just, who cares? Like, you know, right. we're just doing this. Like, we right. don't give a fuck if one person listens to it. We're just doing it because we want to do it. Right. And it's, you know, and so that kind of, again, that sense of freedom and liberation I don't know if we would have ever done that, Ben, if we didn't, like I said, if we didn't have this like global pandemic. So. Yeah, it was just a time, it was like a time slot filler, really. 
the there are going to be some yeah. great stories that come out of this just like that of totally you know, you know be it romantic connections that have just kind of people that were missing for years and just kind of reconnecting or projects that you know weren't getting off the ground or you know most most importantly like social change has been needing to happen people just connecting the dots and saying like we're going to fix these things yeah, um, yeah there's a lot there's a lot of good stuff that's going to happen right now it's going to take a lot of pain for us to get there it's like you know you know uh, uh, the new world is being birthed you know this is labor you know but there is a deeper there's a deeper intelligence to this yeah you know, this thing we, we discussed this before Esther like this is not random some random mutation like there's there's a deeper intelligence here um, that you know a creative spark or creative force that's you know causing you know maybe it hasn't caused the actual virus but the way we're reacting to it is very much I think born out of kind of a collective consciousness and and our decision to kind of shut down I think it's because we all just couldn't take it anymore right and we maybe communicated that in some some undetectable level of, of, of human consciousness or communication where we just, you know, the reason we're all kind of sitting at home is, yeah, we're scared of this virus, but we just really fucking needed it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I don't want to go back. Part of me really doesn't want to go back. Yeah. Yeah, me, me neither. I don't think we can, even if we wanted to. I, I, I don't know. I, I just had a very interesting moment uh, five hours ago that before you got on, Jay, where I was just like, yeah, you know, sometimes old habits are hard to break. Like, you know, just like that. Again, like once we're back, some semblance of normalcy, you know, the rat race is churning, man. You know, this is such a big, it's, a, it's too big to fail at this point. You know, people are... No. Well, you know, I mean, that's the, scary, that's the scary part because I was I was on the road today. Um, Someone cut you off, road rage? Mm -hmm. No, I, well, no, <laughs> I just was just observing just how busy the streets were, how many people were out there without masks, like sitting down outside of restaurants and just mm. and just feeling like this deep unsettledness at how I can't. I'm not a fair monger. I'm not, you know. I am a bit of a catastrophist. Um, just, but, just tell us, tell us about your yes, um, yeah. your Armageddon bunker conference. I mean, I just don't, I just don't see how this thing resolves itself anytime soon. I mean, you know, there, I believe in Deus ex machina. Like, there can be some like magical thing that happens. That, oh well, you know, right in the nick of time. But I also feel as if we're going to see. I don't know if it gets worse, but it, 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 what's really bothering me is the feeling that I'm detecting from so many people that it's over our, you know, like, let's just get back to normal, like just driving around and seeing people. Like there's like a, a, a little coffee shop, acai bowl place, like just a few blocks from where I live. And the number of people that I saw there just congregating, I was, I had like a physical reaction because it, it, they were just acting like nothing was happening. And I was like, like, we're not, you know, we know that the case counts here in Florida and also in Georgia, you know, really throughout the South. 
are not being reported correctly. So like we really have no reason to suspect that things have gotten that much better given the information we do have because the information we do have is faulty. And so I, I certainly don't think that, you know, as much as I, 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 I kind of can get adrift in my apocalypse thoughts and all, um, I don't think that there's need to be outside screaming, it's the end of the world, it's the end of the world. But I think there's a need for caution that people have abandoned. And I don't think that bodes well. And so with that, I think that there are still lessons to be learned from this. In fact, I think the hardest lessons haven't come yet. Um, is this dark? Yeah. This is this is a darkness that you wanted. Is this? Yeah, perfect, perfect. Yeah. Keep keep it I'm, going, man. I'm on keep brand. it going. I'm on brand. Okay. <laughs> All right. I just check. Um. Yeah. No. I mean that that is one side of it, but then the other side is you know you're talking about dual realities here. I mean we're talking about people legit that thinks there is. I mean there. Okay. There is a virus. Don't get me wrong. But the a level of this like high alert, the overprotectiveness, the you know that sort of bit has been perpetuated by a media and perpetuated by you know the kind of the lockdown state. You know even just now like China and front page of the New York Times. You know like they have that whole draconian method of like they were able to contain the virus, but now you know they're starting to, you know, starting to um, start suppressing you know freedom of speech in Hong Kong and like it, we're now back to that. So either or, it's like, okay, are we going to um, essentially um, sacrifice our our civil liberties? by stating that we must have vaccines or you cannot leave your house are we going to have tracking apps on our phone where everyone knows what you know where you've been or you know who you congregated with or are we going to be you know fuck the virus you know these are our rights let's go it's crazy like this fuck the, yeah. it's we're literally living in yeah. a sci-fi um parody show it's yeah. Orwellian. yeah yeah there's so many battlefronts here because yeah i i am worried about as you said the kind of um the surveillance state that was already becoming so terrible before this happened what does this situation empower those who uh are in support of that who are the like bandwagoners who are the like flag wavers for you know, perpetual surveillance, what does this empower them to do? Um, and I think that is just as dangerous a threat as the virus itself. So, you know, there's, I think what can be exhausting about this is if you're really paying attention, you're seeing that this is kind of attacking us from both sides, right? Um, and there are, you know, there are days where I do find myself really mentally exhausted in thinking about all of that because, I, as somebody who work, you know, who who has been a journalist, I can tell you that I've been really, you know, I try to be very selective about the information I consume because there's a lot of bad information on both sides, on all sides of this thing, right, left, mainstream media, indie media, um, more conspiratorial stuff, even the most like, you know, like CNN, you know, like oh, CNN, I don't know what. Um, 
it, it's the amount of work that your brain has to do to parse all of it to get to the kernels of truth within it it's a lot of brain power it's a lot of brain work mm-hmm. um so you know i've been trying to counter that by you know getting my meditation practice going again eating a lot better than i usually do um because I, I, I think it's really a matter of survival, you know, like being trying to function as optimal, as optimally as you can, because this is so taxing um, at times. Um, so it's like, it's a, it's a crazy whirlwind because there's the, the jewels that are in, 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 to be found in this situation that, you know, I think spending time with yourself is a good thing. Not everybody has the luxury of having a safe home. So I will say that, you know, some people are locked up with people they would rather not be with or dangerous to them. Um, so I want to be conscious of that. Um, all of which is to say, this is a, um, there's a huge challenge here, but also a huge reward here. If, if we can, if we can navigate this correctly. You know, like, I think these two things can exist simultaneously, you know, the horror of it and then the possibility inherent in it. And I feel both. I'm trying to hold both of those things in balance. You know, there's um, a quote that's, you know, I don't even, I can't remember who said it. I think it was Antonio Gramsci, but I think it often gets misattributed to him. I could be wrong um, that I am a, um, a pessimist of the intellect, but an optimist of the will in that I see things for what they are. No, she just fucked up, but I'm optimist. I'm an optimist when it comes to my intention and perpetual work towards thriving through it and getting to the other side and trusting that life can lead us to better and more beautiful moments. Um, Yeah. And I think so often we're asked to choose between those things. And I don't think you have to, I don't think you have to, I can, I can sit here and tell anybody in the world right now, she's fucked up, but it's going to be all right. You know, the shit is fucked up, but I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, um, I, you know, it's funny. I think the thing I was talking with somebody the other day, and it's something I've said over the years, what I hate most about what, what, what annoys me the most. And it's binary thinking. Mm-hmm. The either R's, the black or the whites, or the up or the downs, the red or the blues. And I'm all about the purples, the gray, the horizon right there in the middle, like separating the, 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 the sea from the sky. Um, I think that's where the truth lies, where the light lies. Um, And so often, I mean, I feel now, especially in this moment we're in, it's so divisive that what side are you on? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't fuck with sides. (laughs) Like, I don't fuck with sides, you know? Like, I'm not, I feel like just the fact that you're being asked to choose is so inherently limiting. I mean, you can point out errors on all sides of this thing. Um, but I think that binary thinking leads us as a species into really limiting 
territory. I mean, like I remember years ago, Michael Moore, who's, you know, who I love a lot of his work. I have criticism for a lot of it as well, too. But I remember watching him one night on Larry King Live. So this was years ago. And I remember somebody called in and said, like, you sound like a goddamn socialist, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, you know, if you're if you're not a capitalist, you have to be a socialist and blah, blah, blah. And I remember him saying, well, who's to say there isn't like some other system that transcends both of them? And why aren't we talking about that? That's the yeah. conversation I'm interested in having. Because yeah. majority of people are stupid. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry there you know that like I said the majority of people are not able to surpass the black and white and yeah. whether that is mind control whether that is their environment whether that is you know multiple layers of um human evolution I don't know but you know it's I, I, I mean, binary it, of you Esther <laughs> Listen, man, like I said, man, it is by the grace of God, people change. It's, you know, it's like, I, you, you, it's like this, I, this concept of like changing the world. Like you really, like, what does that even mean? You know, it, nothing. It means no, absolutely nothing. The only thing you could potentially change is yourself. And maybe some of the peers around you by changing yourself as, as a, as a sign of an, an example, but um, yeah, I mean, this is a system that has been, that has, since the dawn of the Homo sapiens, this idea of believing in a story. And that binary tract is probably the easiest way of control, of power, yeah. right? So it's, it's, it's hard to phantom, but, you know, I'm getting I, the, you of all Harari on us here, Esther. I, yeah, well, that's, he's the guy. I mean, like I said, the more I'm old, the older I get, my, I'm becoming more, more Buddhist and uh, less friendly in the sense of like who I, you know, again, like spend your energy with because you could be talking to a wall. You know, some people will listen to our conversation right now and literally they'll be like, what are these crazy people talking about? Well, judging by our viewership or listenership the last few weeks, I think that's that's generally the case. Right. These things take time. But, you know, you saying that there's something that I've really been interested in recently, which is thinking about, well, okay, how do you get past the binary? And one of the things I think a lot about is, you know, I'm sure, yeah, this is, this is a big thing in academia speak, but I'm thinking about it more in a really kind of pop, pop way. It's like, how do you complicate the narrative? Like, how do you blend things from all sides that really don't, the kind of, I mean, somebody I think, who I think was really good at that in his time and why he was considered the voice of a generation for a moment was, was Bob Dylan. Like, if you look at, like, how Bob Dylan in the 60s was able to cap captivate so many people, is like, his work was, like, one long riddle because he, he constantly kept you guessing. And it's something that, Throughout history, you look at how the shaman worked, you know, are the mystics in, in, in different societies. They, they, they kind of did that. They didn't, they didn't provide easy answers. Um, and I think we, I think the place, place where we can see that, where we need to support that in our society more is in the arts, you know, is supporting people who force us to consider things differently through 
through our feelings, through sensory experiences, through seeing things differently, through, through feeling things differently, because the media has become so consolidated. The, the, the um, political parties, you know, like all of these factions are forming and you need like some kind of spirit dancer who can just be like a whirlwind through all that shit that just complicates things and makes kinds of breaks us out of these silos that we're all in. Um, and so I'm hoping that in this moment, um, we have more voices like that start to emerge because I don't feel like we have as many as we used to, you know, um, people who just really challenged our thoughts and our feelings. People like Nina Simone, you know, who just really, you know, like you were so enraptured with what they were doing, but they were also challenging you at the same time. This wasn't, you know, some of it was so easily digestible, you were swept away in it, but then parts of it really, you kind of had to, you know, people like Allen Ginsberg and Last Poets and I, I. Yeah, but Jay, I mean, not to play the devil's advocate here, but like, again, I think you have to be in a position to accept the challenge or even notice that the challenge is there, you know, for that to even register. Right. And, well, I think, um, sorry, doing it. huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's the work we do, right? Like empowering artists, you know, like I think that's, that's part of the work there is how do you support the voices that are, that are somehow doing that? Um, I, think, yeah, I like, think, I think the only thing that we can do is encourage them to not give up because, yeah. you know, I look at I look at someone like my father, who also passed away. He was probably the most stubborn man you'll ever meet, um, hands down. And you know, again, it's like he could he he would probably be like uh, if he was alive today, he would be a, like a, a staunch Trump supporter in the sense of like this is ridiculous. I don't understand why we're in here. He won't wear a mask. You know, he's one of those old old school dads. And I remembered, you know, like, just constantly like battle, 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 right? Where to a point where I told my mom, like, well, I give up, like, he can't, this guy's, he's never going to change. And she just was like, you can't because that's what love is. Like, you just kind of constantly, because eventually, there's a hope that something's gonna break. But at the end of the day, I think... It, it was more for me. It was just like, I did it. I, I didn't give up because it was my personal choice. Mm-hmm. That me not giving up was going to affect me as a person versus affecting him, you know? So, so it's, it's, you know, like, it's, it's like, you know, so that's my only thing is like, you know, these artists, like people calling me up, they're like, 2020 was, was going to be my year. And I'm just like, well, you know, just don't give up. Like, just do your work. Just do the work. Do the work. Um, because, you know, there is that hope of that something's going to break. But yeah. you have to do it because you you personally want to do it. Like, it's going to break you. Right, you know? right. Yeah, it has to be born of that place. It can't be born of, you know, these notions of making it, you know. Um yeah. Is there anyone that's stepping up, like in your, your guys' mind, to be a real voice the last two, three months, someone that you think is kind of, you know, 
know, taking the mantle of, of what we're talking about here of, of, of being able to distill, you know, the complicated, um, you know, while at the same time having a coherent voice or, you know, for us. I, I don't know that I, you know, maybe I, I, I just haven't been paying attention enough. I'll admit that, but I can't think of anybody who's really, you know, um, really whose voice has risen above the fray yeah it's so much harder to do now because there was a time when there were only so many channels right there were only so many radio channels there were only so many tv stations there were only so many places where you could get voices you know um and yeah so i don't know that i you know i mean before this happened i was really digging the work of Adrian Marie Brown, who's, you know, become very popular or, or very well, very loved and respected in recent years for her work, um, emergent strategy and um, pleasure activism. Um, I think a lot of the principles that she has been, um, it's funny, like she has a podcast with her sister that started maybe two years ago called How to Survive the End of the World. Um, Damn, and that's a good, that's a good name. It's a great title. And it's inspired by, you know, um, in part, in large part by the work of Octavia Butler mm. um, and thinking about, well, you know, how do, how do, how does the work of Octavia Butler, this sci-fi visionary, how can you translate that into concrete action, to concrete activism, the principles that she was espousing in her work. And I think it's really, I'm somebody who's really interested in sci-fi right now. I'm over, um, at my friend's house, we're writing a sci-fi script together that we had started work on before this happened. That's, I have to say, has been eerily lining up with a lot of the things that are happening right now, um, which has been kind of spooking us out, but in a good way. Um, but I think sci-fi writers, the very best sci-fi writers, um, help us think through these things because uh, so many of them prefer to refer to their work, prefer to refer to their work as not science fiction, but speculative fiction because they're looking at the moment and they're speculating on the things that maybe people aren't talking about too much and are casting that out into the future. Like, okay, well, if X, then what comes next? And then what comes after that? And so somebody like Octavia Butler, um, I mean, she was writing about Donald Trump before, you know, mm. before Trump became a, you know, make America great again. And, you know, the, like a lot of our sci-fi writers um, have been Psychics. talking about, yeah, they've been talking about the, the dystopia that we find ourselves in now, like uh, a film like Children of Men. Um, yeah. You go and watch that right now. It, it like, it's spookier than when it, it first did. Came I, I watched it a couple of weeks. That's like one of those movies where if it comes on, I'm watching it wherever, yeah. you know, till the end. I just yeah. can't not watch that till the end. And, yeah. and it's, it is perfectly dystopian and it is absolutely so apropos for the times we live in. It's frightening. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of looking back to that stuff and wondering who's creating stuff like that right now. It's, I mean, I guess I am. We'll see. The jury is still out. We'll see what happens when this script is done. <laughs> but these are the things that I'm thinking about and aspiring to and looking to find those voices out there because they're certainly out there. Um, yeah. Are you mentoring young voices? Not to, not to say you're not young, but. Yeah, no, no, I don't, I don't, you know, 
I, I'm I'm kind of in between. I'm not old yet. I've been I've been calling myself old for a few years, but I'm I'm kind of over that now. Um, I think I, I have an old spirit though. I have an old spirit. I'll, I'll admit He's grandpa. I am grandpa. Grandpa Jay. I am grandpa. grandpa Jay. Um, but yeah, I mean, to a degree, I have you know. I mean, there are one or two people who I just kind of provide advice to here and there as needed. But then you know, I think both the work I do through Ulite and then the organization I, I um, am one of the directors of Third Horizon, which is a Caribbean filmmaking collective. Um, we try to provide guidance to you know, emerging filmmakers and creatives. Um, in Ulite, that's focused on Miami. In Third Horizon, that's focused on the Caribbean. And I think that this region here in the tropics, um, again, is... So part of my argument, why, why I was part of my argument about this region, which I maybe didn't really um, articulate well enough when we when we talked about about it a bit earlier, is I think that this region that we live in is inherently futuristic, in that the blend of cultures here, um, the fact that we are on the front lines of climate change, I think that this being the case for a long time now, it means that not that we are. I'm not saying that we're geniuses or that we're brilliant, but that people who exist in this space are almost kind of built to kind of weather the apocalypse a little bit more. Um, there's an essay I wrote last year for, um, there's a show up at Pam right now, which, you know, Pam is shut, but there's a show up right now um, called The Other Side of No, which is about Caribbean artists thinking about the future. And I wrote an essay for it that was talking about um, the fact that so much of what we see in sci-fi movies, dystopian sci-fi movies, has existed in the Caribbean and by extension, Miami and parts of Latin America for a while now. Like you think about these, you know, in these dystopian movies, you often see all of these empires coming together and then collapsing and then people like building new societies out of the, out of the fragments, all of that. Like that's fucking Miami. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what is this place? Like, as they say about Tr Trinidad, like Miami is not a real place. <laughs> you know, like it's just like it's something so completely beyond any simple classification. And I think spaces that are like that are the rest of the world is going to find us find itself resembling these spaces soon. Whether it's migration, I mean, all these migration patterns are about to change now because of this thing. Um, and Children of Men was, was inspired by that a lot, actually, by um, my migratory projections for the future. Um, and so I think spaces that complicate the narrative, where all of these different people come together and create new cultures or like interact in strange different ways um, and are on the front lines of climate change and have to deal with sea level rise and have to deal with monster hurricanes and are just kind of like... I mean, we're talking about the future. We like we haven't even started thinking about hurricane season yet. I know it's come up in conversation a bit here and there, but we're in for a wild summer, man. But anyway, all of which yeah. is to say, I feel like those of us who are living here, um, we're gonna see some shit, and through seeing some shit, we're gonna figure out some shit, and people will then kind of look to us and be like, okay, well, what happened over there? Because that's gonna soon happen to us. It's like uh. We're a bellwether. So are we Bex Hill on the sea then? What, what's, what's Bex Hill? Not familiar. That's, that, that's the town in Children of Men where uh, he, he sneaks into 
so that he can, you know, that kind of dystopian kind right, of almost okay. refugee camp or whatever. Yeah, we're kind, yeah, we're kind of that. Yeah, yeah. But all, but also like going back to this idea that the Caribbean has been um, preparing for the apocalypse since they they were started. You know, one of the things that I think no one really talks about is different sects of society and um, cultures and their relationship with death. Okay, so I think that Western culture, again, this kind of like rat race machine of really fueling your ego is very much about like, I, do you want to live forever? But I think in other, you know, we're talking like native tribal first nations, their, their idea of death is so different. You know, it's for them, it's just a cycle. You know, you look at, I mean, you look at, you know, folks in like, in, in, in like the bush of Jamaica, man, like their concept of lit life and death is very different than say like, you know, you kind of go in there just kind of like, man, they're lazy. They're just chilling out. Like, just like they took one coconut and they're just like, what are they doing with their life? They're living, you know? And I think that again, this idea of like, you constantly have to pump out productivity or the manuscript that's going to change the world. Like they don't give a fuck, you know? So I think again, their relationship with like, okay, well, category five hurricane coming through all, all good. If I die, I die. Like, so it, I think it, in that sense, it's like this idea of resiliency is that they really don't fear that piece that I think that Western civilization has really ingrained this idea of conquering. I mean, this entire piece of property has about, is about conquer. So yeah, so I, I, I think, again, like the more you come to peace with this relationship of dying, you know, I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's, I think, I don't think people are talking about that topic as more than this idea of like, oh, something good is going to come out of this. We're going to make it and so-and-so is going to happen. It's like, maybe we just need to rethink and reassess what it means to be living and dying. It, it, it does feel like the 800 pound gorilla in this experience is death, right? It, it's because like literally in our Western culture, especially in this country, we're constantly running from death, right? I, to me, that's what it is. That's why we are so focused on productivity and cranking out units of productivity um, because we, we just want to avoid thinking about or feeling the inevitability of death. That's what I think is kind of the brilliance of this particular virus and the circumstance that it's generated is that we can't run, we physically can't run, we are confined to one space. And the whole paradigm of this is, is death, right? Is that there's a, there's a, there's a materially, enough, materially enough probability that you might die from this. You know, it's still unlikely but it's, it's still tangible, it's palpable, right? And, and we, we're all gonna know someone who died. We probably already do know someone who died. Right. Um, and so I think there is a genius to this in the sense that we now are gonna have to confront what we just haven't wanted or been able to confront before. Um, and I think that's why there's so much anxiety right now, this phase of it. I think the first month, month and a half was all about adrenaline. It was the adrenaline of running from death, right? Um, and now I think, you know, we talked about this last week, Esther, and the week before, 
we all feel like we're running in mud, right? Because we can't run from this, you know, this boogeyman, right? Um, yeah. That's the way I, I feel about it. I've been thinking about that though. I mean, I always think about that. I've really been thinking about it a lot over the last I've, few weeks. Yeah. It's funny. I've been, think, I've been thinking about it a lot today in particular. Um, and if I'm able to late tonight, I'm actually going to write an article about this. I would need to get it out in the next few days. I, I, a friend of mine are going to work on it, but I've been thinking about this because of, you, you got to stick with me here. This is going to be a bit of a, a wormhole, but um, Bounty Killer and Beanie Man have a clash on Saturday. Yes. And I'm very excited. Yes. Um, I grew up, you know, being, you know, like as a teenager in Barbados, we would argue about who was better on the schoolyard. I mean, I, I, I couldn't grow a beard or a mustache yet. I hadn't kissed a girl yet. I, you know, but we were arguing like violently about who was better, Beanie Man or Bounty Killer. So anyway, last night I'm going down this rabbit hole and I'm like getting excited. I'm listening to all this music. And at some point I had a moment of pause because I'm a big Bounty. I love both artists. Let me just say that up front, but I'm a bigger Bounty Killer fan. But I had a moment of pause because one of Bounty Killer's key phrases that he introduces himself when he comes on stage are at the beginning of so many songs as he says, people dead, people dead. And I was like, damn, like, how is he going to be saying that in the middle of a pandemic? But then I started going down the rabbit hole of thought about this and, you know, like really wrestling with what Bounty Killer represents. And I went from feeling like, well, maybe that's not the best thing to be saying right now, to then feeling like we absolutely need Bounty Killer yelling people dead right now. Because yeah. if you look at the forces that created Bounty Killer, he is the specter of, just like you were saying, we, we, we've been running from it and now we have to confront it. Like Bounty Killer is the Grim Reaper. Bounty Killer embodies the Grim Reaper. And... I need to take a second to dive into his history to explain why. Bounty Killer got his name because when he was a 14-year-old, he was attending a political rally in Jamaica, and he was shot. Now, the thing is about political rallies in Jamaica is that um, for many years, you know, Jamaica's politics were destabilized by being caught in the middle of a binary, right? Jamaica's politics were influenced on one side by socialism coming in through Cuba, and then on the other side from the US, which meant that there were a lot of guns on the street that were being brought in from outside forces, from the CIA through Cuba. And that influenced Jamaican politics in the 1970s. There's a film about it, um, Better Must Come, by a friend of ours, Storm Salter. It's like one of the, op the opening scene of his film is these gunmen at a political rally um, because really, that wasn't really about Jamaican politics. It was the US and Russia playing out the Cold War in these, in these communities. So what happens in one, at one of these political rallies? A 14-year-old gets shot. A 14-year-old on an island, he's a teenager. He, there's so many experiences he hasn't had in his life yet. He's at a political rally. Who knows why he's there? I, I don't wanna speculate on why he was there, but you know, politics is supposed to be about the betterment of a community, right? And so this innocent kid is there and catches a bullet 
in a war that's so much bigger than him, that's so much big, bigger than his tiny island. It's between these two superpowers, these two global superpowers who are fighting for world domination. Bounty Killer ends up in a hospital bed. And while he's in a hospital bed, thinking about what happened, he decides to name himself Bounty Killer. In the years that follow, he becomes this. The thing is that gets about Bounty Killer is that it's not just that he's chanting these lyrics about violence and shooting people and whatnot. He's embodying, you know, one of his nicknames is he's the poor people governor, right? All of which is to say, when we look at what's happening right now, when we look at all the things that we're not confronting, the death we're not, we don't want to confront, the mismanagement of this by governments, particularly the US government, like Bounty Killer is almost like representative of all of this death, stretching back decades. Like Bounty Killer, his name, his persona, it's not created in a vacuum. He's not violent for the sake of being violent. He's not saying these things just because he likes them. He's representative of what these forces that we haven't wanted to, to confront have created. All of which is to say, I will be shouting people dead on Saturday night, and it will have much more layered meaning than I realized it did when I was 14 years old. Wow. So you're pretty much saying he's gonna beat Beanie Man. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's a given. That's right. And team, with that. Team Beanie Man or Team Bounty Killer? Oh, Team Bounty. But, I, but, but for the sake of Jason and I have a war going on these verses, I will, I will uh, go towards Beanie Man just so we could have a, a violent um, Twitter feast for, for our fan base. Um, people. Yeah, to entertain people. Uh, okay, well, we're already at our, our max capacity, Ben where I think we, sh we pivot and unpack um, and we go into lightning round Oof. because I think we did hit all the, all the check marks of why we wanted Jason to be on our podcast. Death, really? check. Apocalypse, check. More death, check. <laughs> do, we, do, we, do, we do, more, do we do more bucket list checks? No, I think we're good. Um, so, Jason, mm. as as part of our tradition, now that we have the, <laughs> our, our this is we have an entire body of work here for our fake podcast. We go do an over. Yeah, an over. Yes. We um, do lightning round questions to kind of end end this uh, really high optimistic uh, podcast. <laughs> All right, let me. Let me get myself ready. All right. Oh. Okay. All right. Glasses. So again, I want to preface by saying this is a lightning round. Okay. So please don't ponder too long. Wow. Jason is ready. Okay. Oh, Are you guys ready? Let's do it. Okay. Let's do this. First question. And both of you guys can answer, but maybe Jason, you can go first. All right. What has someone borrowed that never given back? Oh, you mean in my life personally? Um, yes, I, dude. 
I am like dying to know who has my vinyl of Shiggy Otis's inspiration information. I want to cut them. Ooh, so whoever may be listening, just saying. They're they're not. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Uh, Ben? Mine's mine's a mixtape. I made a really good mixtape, I think in like 90... I don't know, 96, I think it was like, it was like my Smith and Wesson Black Moon theme <laughs> mixtape that I never found again. Probably lost it, but I. Oh, so you don't think anyone borrowed it? Well, no, I, I think. Music. Yeah, I prefer, I prefer to think it was stolen for some reason. Yeah, typical. All right. Um, next question. What mythical creature do you wish actually existed? I'm a big fan of dragons. Okay. Like minotaurs. Oh, minotaurs are good. Okay. Um, What's the funniest pickup line you've ever heard? uh, On you, by the way. On me? The funniest. The funniest, yeah. I don't know that I have any funny ones. Oh, well, I thought it was funny at the time, but it absolutely worked. (laughs) A woman looked me dead in my eyes. This gorgeous woman looked me dead in my eyes. She said, and we were standing up outside a mansion, actually. So this tells you how long. Oh my you know, God, mansion! Up outside wow. a mansion, maybe like two thousand and five, and she's like so much taller than me that she has to bend down a little bit. And she's like, "You are absolutely the most beautiful man I have ever seen in my life." <laughs> and I, I went for a hotline and think I was like, "What do you want? What do you want?" Um, you know. Wow. So what? What did she want? She wanted me. <laughs> wow, I mean, that was, wow. It was That's... good for like two, three months, but you know. Oh, wow. Damn, shout out to her. That was like, that's yeah, pretty, yeah. It worked, but I mean, nice. I didn't believe her, but I, you know, I, was, I, I didn't believe her, but I was like, it, shit, I mean, yeah. Respect. Uh, okay, okay, can you top that then? Someone once uh, you know, stepped to me at a bar and said, you know, you look exactly like Sting. Said, All right, that'll work. Okay, I guess that was pretty funny. Okay, I got her next. Uh, what's the most ridiculous thing you have bought? This week? <laughs> if you want to go there, sure. Yeah, I don't know. You don't buy ridiculous things, Jason? What about that do-rag that you did for uh, <laughs> that- uh, That's utilitarian, that man. Like, uh, that's, <laughs> it's just like, do you have a mop in your house? <laughs> I have a do-rag, like it's not, it's, you know. It's like asking but, uh, me Okay, have... sorry, the purple rope. But it's yeah, like, I guess well, that is that. It's, it's like it. soap. You're asking me like, why do I buy soap? You know, okay. I have a do-rag. <laughs> <laughs> and a purple like rag. My hair, I have a do rag. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know, actually. All right. Yeah, pass. You're boring. Uh, ben? I guess it's not that ridiculous, but I, I, I bought this uh, Elvis onesie. Nice. I just thought it'd be cool, like sequins and stuff. For like. you? Or for. Yeah. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Nice. Kudos. Nice. Okay. Um, which of your vices or bad habits would be the hardest to give up? Coffee. 
That's not a bad habit. And the cocaine. (laughs) Which of my vices? It's a joke, mom. She's not listening either. (laughs) I really like ice cream. Guys, this is this is so lame. Really? Um, what do you want to hear? Like, uh, like stealing know. cars? I don't know. Coke off a horse? You know, I yeah. have been biting my nails. I've been biting my nails again recently, and I've been upset. Oh my god! Just, yeah, I bite my nails too, man. Yeah. I bite them too. It's terrible, terrible. Yeah. All it's right. I had like move. a good five-year run there of using a nail clippers, and I felt like the most posh sophisticated motherfucker on earth just because I use nail clippers and now that's gone out the window and I feel like a fucking savage I know what I'm wow. buying you uh, as a thank you gift for this uh, <laughs> wow. podcast okay um, next uh, what was the last photo you took can I look yeah. oh shit I got a good one I actually can't tell you that Oh, come on. God. All right. Well, that's is it the tall one? Is, it, is it the really tall woman? Uh, no, no. No. I took a photo this morning because uh, I, um, I, I was in Sunset Harbor. Um, and I, I wanted to get a coffee desperately. So I went, I went to Your vice? I was masked up. There was no one there. I don't know why I have to explain myself. Anyway, I was there. I got a coffee. <laughs> And then I saw on the window of a restaurant, it basically said, um, uh, for purchases of $15 or more, uh, we will give you a free uh, toilet roll. Shut up. So I took a picture of it just to capture the moment. Because I just thought that we talk about like a image of the times that like, yeah. if we look back on it, that'll capture a big, big part of what we're going through. It's funny. I saw that donut. Um, I went, you know, I went the other day to King Duck Barbecue. It's Chinese duck barbecue down near FIU. So it was Sunday. I wanted some barbecue duck. I was like, you know what? I'll make the drive. And they ran an ad yesterday, like for over every $50 spent, they're giving out a certain amount of hand sanitizer. (laughs) So you buy two ducks and you get some hand sanitizer. I was like, this is brilliant. You're getting all my money. Wow. All my money. Amazing. Okay. Uh, Next, what's the most useless talent you have? Mm. Jason, you have so many. (laughs) I'm good at voices. I'm good at doing impersonations. Facts. But I don't make money doing it, so I don't know that it's of any use. Let's hear you. (laughs) Give us one. Oh. Shit, I don't know. Um, see, the thing is, it's not people famous. I don't really do famous people well. It doesn't matter. I know. Do Give us a mood. Give us a vibe. Give us a vibe. Um, That's unfair. It's unfair to put him on the spot like that. Yeah, no, I can't no, 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 no. Come on. Come on. Uh, do, do one that's like a, a woman that's annoyed by you. Oh, then, they, then they just don't say anything. All right. Apparently, women only come up and give him really good, good compliments. Very. Um, glasses. I'm just bitter. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, Ben, most useless talent. Um, 
I, I can do like random mathematical calculations in my head. Like, I, I don't know. Oh, so you're a genius. Great. No, I just, whatever, it's useless. But I, it's going to come in handy when the aliens come. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're already here, so. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Anunnaki's. Let's go there. Um, okay, if you had to change your name, what would your new name be and why? What kind of questions are these? Um, I don't know. Really don't good know. questions. This is the I worst like set of questions. This is the worst lightning round yet, I have to say. If I had what? to change my name, I don't, I'm so proud of my name. Jason? Name, yeah. Jason is a healer. A healer and an adventurer, and then Fitzroy is um, was my grandfather's name, and there are maybe like five of us in our in our family who are named after him. He was um, he was a, a very respected priest um, in Barbados, um, and just a king of a man. I never met him, but his 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 he, he's so legendary and beloved among the people who knew him and the impact that he had on his community that I try to live up to in everything that I do. So I, I like, the older I get, the more honored I am to, to, to have a lifetime to try to live up to who he was. So I guess my answer would be, if I had to pick a name, maybe I would switch my name it's around so that's Fitzroy Jason. Fitzroy Jason. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay, that's cool. Ben, do you like your name? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I like Dimitri. I don't know. I've always, I've always I think I, you know, I've always wanted to be like a Russian mobster. But I like the name Dimitri <laughs> for some reason. Random. Okay. Nice. Nice. Um, okay. And finally, I know I asked this question on our first podcast, but hey, why not? Because it, it could it could change. Uh, when was the last time you cried? A few weeks ago. Dr definitely Why? during this situation. Yeah, I mean, um, I was just thinking about all the people that I know that were just struggling, you know. Mm. There was, yeah. Yeah, I, I just felt so much sadness about, about how many people I knew were struggling. Some people who were sick, some, you know, thinking about Barbados. You know, my, my mother was telling me about, I mean, she's fine, but my, Mother was telling me about an aunt of mine who, you know, it was a struggle. She didn't have the virus, but she couldn't, you know, was having trouble seeing the doctor because, you know, mm. doctors are busy with other things. And it was, you know, there were just a few things. It just felt, it was one of those days where nobody called with good news. Mm. Everybody called with bad news. And I was fine. I, you know, I had gone shopping like the night before and I had a stocked fridge. But I think what it was, was I was at home and I felt helpless to be of service to anybody, to help anybody. It was like, I can't do anything for anybody right now. Um, you know, are, are, are these, these particular people who were living so far away from me. I mean, I think one of those things, you know, I'm from Barbados. So most of my family is there. I couldn't even go right there right now if I wanted to, because the airport isn't open. Right. Um, so I think just kind of thinking about that, it really hit me that day. Um, mm. Yeah, and I think it, you know, I think it's healthy to let it out. I'm, I'm a, I'm a big believer in just kind of, you know, 
laugh hard, cry hard. Yeah. You know, if you don't do both, you're, you know. A robot. Yeah. Then you'll, you'll make yourself sick. I believe that. Yeah, I'm definitely trying to develop more bravery as I get older to cry, you know. And I don't know why it takes an act of bravery to cry, but probably just because we've been inculcated. You know, I grew up in like the English schooling system, which is like, you don't cry, you know. And yeah. so stiff upper lip kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, last night I cried because I, um, my, you know, my uncle died a few weeks ago, actually from coronavirus. Yeah, uh, last so night it was his daughter. Yeah, thanks. It was his daughter's 25th wedding anniversary. So we all got on a Zoom call and they showed her wedding video from 25 years ago, which was actually quite hilarious too, just to see, you know, kind of how time, the passage of time and fashion senses and behavior, how those change over time. But then I saw my uncle, uh, you know, who was obviously in the video because it was his daughter who was getting married and just kind of seeing him as a younger man, you know, um, you know, it, probably at, at that time he was only 10 years older than I am now. So I think I, I cried just for the, you know, obviously the morning of, of missing him, but it was, it, I think it was also, it was again, I was mourning the, you know, I was mourning the, um, I guess the finality of life, right? Going back to, mm -hmm. going back to our core theme today. Um, yeah. I think I was just mourning the inevitability of it all and, and, and the passage of time and, and the fact that I'm definitely, you know, I'm statistically speaking well into my second half of life, yet there's so much I don't know or so much I haven't done. You know, the regret, uh, I think, you know, sometimes it sneaks up on you and it definitely snuck up on me last night. Yeah. Hmm. And good night. No. Um, <laughs> how about you, that? Esther? Esther, how about you? When did you cry last time? Oh, I'm a sucker. I cry. I cry every day. But I think, I think it, it is what it is. You know, it's like, I, I, um, I, you know, I got teary eyed just now. You know, it's like, it, you, it's sometimes like, it's a, it's like, I, I think the, I think what it shows is that people, again, it's like the, the whole thing about this thing about wiping away your ego. It's just, it's just, I, it's just, I, it's like, what does that, you know, what does that mean? You know, it's like, it's like just being vulnerable, you know, that's kind of, kind of like why this podcast, if anything, it's like, I literally was like, we just, we're just, we're giving a platform for people to just like strip away whatever ego and just like not be like ashamed of anything. Just like talk freely, curse, mess up, like go deep. Because again, it's like, that's all we have guys is connecting with other people. At the end of the day, we have nothing but each other, you know? I think that's the only solid takeaway because people are what is like the driving force of why we are here. Right. That was right? kind of a, that was kind of a tiger mom, go get him. Speech. <laughs> there it was. Yeah. I'm a big, I think, I think ultimately like, you are. I know. I, I think at the end of the day, I was so funny. I was like talking about, you know, this idea of relationship with death and how, you know, how we're always constantly like scared of it. And, you know, and I remember literally it was so funny because the irony of it is like, I remember being at this airport bar in Denver and I was talking to my friend Kelly, one of the artists. 
and we were just like, oh my God, Corona, COVID. And I just like lit, legit, like I had this like sense of peace. I'm like, man, if I get COVID, I'm, I think I'll be okay. Like if I die, like I think it'll be cool because I did everything that I kind of like, I lived a really good life. I have so many like love in my life. Like, you know, like I have like great friends. I have like amazing fam. I'm like, I, I think I'd be cool with just like if I die. And they're He's like, right and then they're just like oh my god and then like when i did get sick and i was just literally lying in bed and i'm like fuck <laughs> like you know just be careful what you speak out into the world but it again it was this like surrendering moment of like cool like this was this was what a what a crazy journey but like it's like pretty awesome wonder Ooh, we wonder. took it back Ding. Hey, you know how we should end this? I want to hear Jason do his do uh, his best bounty killer uh, enter the stage impression. Not a bounty killer. Yo, that's not bounty killer. That's messed that's, up. That's that's bounty killer. What are you talking about? Lord of Mercy. I mean, everyone does. That's, Lord how, of Mercy. that's how he says it, though. Yeah, uh -uh. that's that's standard. That's how he says. That's, that's his standard. signature way of saying it. Yeah. All right. Well, after all of that, I think I'm going to go to Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> Mac and cheese is really good. I'm a big fan. I'm going to go back. After all of this, I'm <laughs> reverting back to my uh, uh, my material body and say, fuck it. Going to Trader Joe's. Uh, all right. Well, I think we're done. Episode five. Jason, it's been real, man. So yeah, nice to meet you, you. Thank you, Esther. Hope, hope thank we get you, to connect man. somehow, you know, some, somehow and sometime soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right, guys. All right, thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.